everyone to Praxis No Filter, our message behind the blog. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie, and I'm excited to introduce to you our guest, Dr. Shay Grays. Welcome to Praxis No Filter. Um, good morning. Well, afternoon. Um, thanks for uh, um, offering me the opportunity. Excited about our talk today. I am too. So for everyone, Dr. Shea is the Associate Director of Diversity and Inclusion in the College of Natural Resources at North Carolina State University. And I have the opportunity to work alongside her. And today we're going to discuss engaging in diversity, equity, and inclusion work on the backdrop of our faith. So really excited. Um, this has been a hard week, and we're also still navigating uh, COVID. So how are you doing, Dr. Shea, and what are you learning about yourself as a professional, as a wife, and as a daughter? Um, so the first is I have enjoyed sheltering in place for the most part, um, and that has to do with multiple things. So one is when COVID hit, I've, I have not been scared the whole time. And it's because I kept saying, he's got me, he's got us, right? So God's got it. I, I can't stress or worry about things that I don't have within my control. And so I just tried to make sure I took in enough information to be safe and healthy for myself and those around me. Um, and otherwise I was like, okay, it's a time to be at home. Um, and I think what I'm, I'm learning about myself is as much as I tried and I've been trying to be intentional about self-care, particularly over the last two years because of the work environment I was in. Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing the best job. Um, better, but not the best that I could. Um, and so I've learned that I had gotten away from prioritizing the things that mean more to me, which has less to do with work and material things, right? Working yeah. for money and um, and so one of the blessings that have come out of this is I, this is the first time my husband and I, and we would have been married in three years in August, have been together longer than two weeks <laughs> because we live separate. So I've been with him for almost six weeks and I'm like, I'm not ready to go home. Right. So I feel like, I kind of like this dude. Like, <laughs> like you kind of cool. I see why right. I married you now. Correct. Now I see why we said yes. Um, so I think just learning to look for, not, I try to, but I think society honestly the pressure I dealt a lot with the um, not healthiness of if that's a word I can yeah, use and the, yeah. and the environment that I was working in um, that I, I, I wasn't seeing the blessings the same way I could right I was focused more on what I didn't have or what I felt was inadequate you know parts of me and so it's actually been really good for me to be at home I so. love that well I'm, I'm, I'm in and out I'm a little, I'm a little bit of a social butterfly. So being in the house, um, while I'm incredibly grateful to have shelter and be able to work from mm -hmm. home, I have those pings of, you know, quarantine crazy and, and wanting to get out and see people and interact. But you're right. I have learned a lot about my family, my spouse, my mom, my daughter, my dog, I think she's going to have the <laughs> hardest time when I leave because she has really um, become attached to me being at home. And you know, I've heard a lot of people say that about their animals. And, you know, I'm not an animal person, but I have a, a good number of friends who are. And their animals have gotten used to you being home all day and have yes. actual true concerns about what's going to happen. 
Yeah, I, I think she's gonna need some support. I don't I don't know what that's gonna look like. Okay. And <laughs> she's gonna need she's gonna need something. Um, I wanna get into this blog um and really want to maximize our time. So this week's blog was based on the first iteration of the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many people out there really follow that. My daughter hooked me up on it and and you know Seen I was sold. <laughs> Seen them all. <laughs> yes. So this is where Katniss volunteered to compete in lieu of her little sister. And essentially the blog suggested as as black folk, we've been volunteering as tribute for a long time. Well over mm-hmm. 400 years when we were forced to volunteer <laughs> through servitude and slavery. Mm-hmm. And essentially we've been getting the short end of the stick for a long time. So what, if anything, is surprising to you regarding the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, who today happens to be, would have been her 26th birthday, hmm. or 27th birthday, I'm sorry, and Ahmaud Aubrey, and I think it's important to say their names as, as we mm-hmm. lift them up, but what are you learning about this and what's surprising in the response that's occurring in America right now, and actually all over the world? Um, so I will first say nothing is surprising surprising regarding their murders nothing is surprising about that Um, systematic oppression and systematic racism um, white supremacy all of this has allowed this to happen since 400 years ago right so I'm not surprised by the murders I think what surprised me might have been my response originally which is um, I was numb and I know that comes from doing the work we do um And living it and being traumatized. But I think what I've learned more recently, and I won't be honest, it was George Floyd's um, murder that hit me because every time I hear it now, all I see in my head are the pictures that we used to see of lynchings of black people and white people standing around like as a spectator sport. So the truth is when I see people, white people specifically responding I know they have good intentions, but that's what comes in my head, right? That you're standing around watching it, but it's not impacting you. So um, I, I think, and re- so my reaction to the response of America, I, I will be honest, to self-care, I don't read very much. I don't watch very much because I can't take it in. I don't have the capacity right now. Yeah. Um, I take in enough so I can function and do my job, right? But I, I don't take in more. So I will say I'm ignorant to what the world has done in response. But America's response, I think what what I've been having tension with is they keep saying, and we see statements in response to the recent events, in response to <laughs> like the recent events. And yes, I was like, okay, so it's been happening to us for decades and centuries. And you're responding to the recent. And I was like, I respond to it every day I live. And so I think it's not a surprise. It's just that I'm exhausted from having that be their response, right? And yeah. um, so I, let me tell you, the only thing that has surprised me the whole time was when I saw pictures. I get snippets from friends and colleagues. When I saw pictures of the Amish or Mennonite Listen, the Mennonite. <laughs> Girl, I said, what? I said, okay, Lord, we done made a whole nother level. Listen. Because they came out for black folk came out strong so that so let me let me backtrack that was the one surprise <laughs> <laughs> like that was the one that hit me and that's when I knew right I was like I've been saying our country is bleeding 
And when and we have the folks have come out of yes. their way of life. Yes. Yes. To have to hook up this buggy to come out here. Yes. And speak on behalf of the lives of black folk. Yes. We have crossed over we, into yes. another dimension. So I'm going to backtrack. Thank you for letting me work through that because let me backtrack. <laughs> yes. And But it gives me honestly a different respect because I will say I've had tension about, you know, they do, and I respect their right to live and practice religion the way they do. Absolutely. But I, I also know, I shouldn't say but, and I also know from experience, it's the few stories I know about how they treat Black people as a general statement. And I'm, I know that's generalizing because not everyone treats them that way. So I think that's when I knew, right? Because as a community, they call you the Black Amish. They do. Or the Black Mennonite. And so... um. I think when I saw that, I was like, okay, we're in a new place. Gosh. Mm -hmm. So I've had a lot of those kinds of check-ins from my Mm -hmm. white friends. um, Some of which have expressed sadness and anger, commitment to do the work or do more work Mm -hmm. and just doing some checking in with me. And and I've appreciated that um, more than silence. Right. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm unable to hold folk that, don't say anything at all. I am able to hold space for right. acknowledge when people say, I don't know what to say right. or I'm hurting or yes. I'm just, I just need to hear your voice. Um, what is the message you have to white folk who are leaning in right now and asking that burning question? Right. Of what can I do? What can I do? Um, so I think like you, I've, I've been, um, I just had a white colleague check in on me this morning and I, I, and I thought about her because she's one that I consider an ally and I hadn't heard from her. Um, I think just being true and authentic, like you said, and just saying, I've been thinking of you. She didn't have my number for one. So she had to email me, but she, but I think it's, I don't know what to say, right? That's just, right. just be honest and, and, and don't try to fill the space. Um, and also for white folk who are leaning in, be okay that I don't want you in my circle right now. Doesn't right. mean I don't love you. Doesn't mean I, I won't come back. But right now, I may not want you because it depends on our relationship. Like That's I said, right. those ones that are silent, I am reevaluating what they mean to me. Um, and, and be okay with that. So I would, I would probably say the first thing is be authentic and be honest and be vulnerable to say you don't know. Um, and also be okay that we don't all want it. Um, and that some are not hurting the same way. And so don't try to create trauma that may not be trauma for another black person. That's right. Um, and because we all are responding differently. And so I would say for that part, and if you want to do something, ask. Do not go mm-hmm. on your own thought, your own, because you're hurting. I hurt every day. So ask. I think that would be the next thing. Oh, that's so powerful <laughs> because we don't. Um, and, and I think on a day-to-day basis of working in an environment where there are less people that share race with me and specifically mm-hmm. race and gender, you're right. People just go into action mm-hmm. <laughs> without seeking that permission or seeking mm-hmm. consent. Yeah. Um, I've had to learn that even as a parent, I think, you know, I, I, I grew up in an environment where my mother had no shame of like, you know, telling that I got an A or telling that, you know, I was accepted into a writing contest. Whereas this generation, my child is like, I didn't give you, <laughs> I didn't give you permission to, to share to do my that. business. <laughs> um, 
And I've had to learn to respect that in a different way. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you lifting up just the ask because the ask also recognizes that you're a person with your own agency. Right. And I can't yet again assume that I know everything about you and don't take into account your rights, your responsibilities, your wishes, your permissions. Mm -hmm. And your ability to just say, I'm not here right now. Right. And and I choose not to be. So, yeah, that's super powerful. (laughs) That is super powerful. So thinking about that younger generation, you and I work in an environment Mm -hmm. where we see (laughs) them expressing a desire for more change to happen. And and not overnight. We're tired of waiting on y'all. Yep. (laughs) Y'all to make it happen. We need it happen. Like right now. Even now my internet is not down. What do I need to do? Who do I need to talk to to make sure, you know, that immediacy. So what are you hearing lifted and emphasized in a way that you've not heard before um, that is important for the elders to hear right now? Um, I, I think the call to apologize. Mm. I think the call, we have made mistakes, all of us. And, um, I think this generation is calling for apologies and accountability in a way that they've been saying it, but they've been saying it differently. Um, I think if you see, I was just talking to, I had an alum reach out to me. Um, He identifies as white and Asian. And he said, Mm -hmm. I'm struggling. I want to help. I want to do something. And he said, if it wasn't for COVID, I would be there with the protesters. Right. But I'm getting that say our this generation is out there being vocal. Um, And I, and yes, we know generationally, we, we know that they lose interest is what I call it. They don't have the tenacity, (laughs) which are, you know, the civil rights generation, they have the stick-to-itiveness. They don't have it, but they have it for a short period. Right. And so I think because what they're calling for, they don't ever see. And so Mm. they just move on. And so I think right now what I'm hearing is, Basically, shut up talking, show us something. And if you talk, be authentic in your apology, not the political answer. Don't give me the. We don't want the correct response. We don't want the one that someone had to write for you to make sure you, you know, you looked right and you said right. And um, I I think also if you I'm sure you've seen the same thing, these statements that are coming out, if people will stop saying our community is hurting, because usually these are coming from white people, I was like, your community ain't hurting. It's thriving. Black folk <laughs> is hurting. Right. Like, that's right. And so I think that's, that's what I'm right. saying. Calling for accountability, like call it what it is and, and, and apologize that you've done wrong. Um, and I, I think the sad thing is I don't think we will get the apology side from, from a, a lot of different entities. Um, I think some will see it, but I also, my concern is because that's what this generation needs. If they don't get it, they, we have this short window to answer them. Yeah before they'll stop and I think where we come in as the elders is to hold that space Mm -hmm. if they don't receive it yep um yeah and that that brings tears to my eyes it's hard because you I watch my Mm. students and definitely I mean it's all students but my black students and then the students who are allies to black communities or I mean that's any marginalized group and they get mm-hmm. so tired and they get so worn down and it hurts me because I'm there trying to say, just keep trying, just keep trying. And when I'm, I'm worn out myself, you know, so um, it's a balancing act. 
and I just want to yell answer them so they can keep going so because we get tired <laughs> like that's right we need help and we don't yeah so um I hurt for them because I know they want something that they're not seeing and something that is deserved yes oh yeah and entitled yes right not just run-of-the-mill thing it's just a basic <laughs> like right. liberty and the pursuit of right. happiness like, it's a basic Those are right like inalienable <laughs> rights right so when I think about this this tiredness and and I share that and and have an appreciation for you naming it what is most difficult about doing this work as a black person even as a black woman and even further a black woman of faith yeah so I think in doing this work I, I'm a so many people do it because it's convenient. Some people do it because it's the buzzword. It's what's quote unquote trending. I think as a black person, I'm called to it, me specifically. And, mm-hmm. and that's because I believe that God sets each of us apart and I'm called to this work. So when people ask me like, well, why do you stay? And I'm like, because God ain't said I could go yet. If I would have gone on my own time, you know, you know, Dr. Stephanie, I've been told you. Listen, <laughs> listen. I, but I cannot walk away until he tells me to walk away. And I think that's what's hard is because I personally hurt. I struggle. I have been traumatized year after year. And yet, Uh, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about what I'm supposed to bring. And so sometimes when I get in those spaces, it's hard because people who don't carry the faith, right. And I, and I bring my faith to work every day. You don't hear me talk about it, but I bring it with me because it's my being. So when people ask me, well, why would you do that? I also go to God for stuff. So it ain't always got to be because the research told me God speaks to me. And if he says, you know, the Bible tells me I'm supposed to speak up for those who don't have voices. How Come do you on. tell someone in a meeting, I'm speaking up and I'm going hard and you call me the angry black woman. And how many white women in my building have called me intimidating because I'm doing what I was called to do, what the Bible tells me to do. And you're going to say, well, God told me I was supposed to do this. So I think right. there's this tension, right, where I know why I do it. Um, but not being able to voice that all the time. And I will also say having fellow Christians ask me, how do I fight for the gay community or how I fight for this community? And I was like, because mm-hmm. we all his people. And so I also have the other Everyone. side of Christians questioning why I do this work. Um, and I, I'm not fake about it. I genuinely feel it through all parts of me. So um it's truly that if it were, if it be possible, let this cup pass the cup. <laughs> you know it. I give it to you. <laughs> we want it. We want it genuinely. There are hard days of doing yes. this. Just as you, you know, you're angry, whereas someone else is passionate. Right. You have education on top of education, and yet, do you fit? Right. <laughs> you, you, I, we can go on about the micro assaults that yeah. happen day after day after day. And yet, if God has called you to this place, you know, he will keep Correct. you in this place until he deems that it's, it's, time. it's time for you to move and, and do this kingdom work. And that, you else. believe we have an SMOE. And people say, well, I asked, said, uh, is he sure? Are you sure? <laughs> but this is also what I know you know. I keep <laughs> I know you do. So what do you see as the role of the faith community in standing up against white supremacy and racism and police brutality and systems of oppression and on and yeah, on and so on? So 
my first thought is don't hide behind religion. Um, so, you know, I think all the time when people um, say Christians stand out there and, and society as a whole doesn't have a good view of Christian and they call us hypocrites all the time and have and, and they do so. because of the way we <laughs> act. And so I thought don't That's hide right. behind religion because one of the things I thought was slave masters use religion too. Yes, so they did. don't hide behind it or, you know, or, so I guess my first call is don't hide behind religion because if we're at the core of what God has called us to do is to love one another, right. To put no God yes. before him. So I'm like, if we, tr- but now love is a choice. So I acknowledge it takes mm-hmm. work. Um, and so, you know, I've had, I've heard, of course, Christians say, well, if we just love each other, we don't, it's not racism. I don't see you. I was like, but we still live in an earthly world. We are spiritual beings having an earthly experience. I still Daily. have to navigate this world. Um, and so one, like come out of that and understand that you, if you get in it, you can't hide behind it to not do the work, um, to not call out what is, what is right. Like, um, and That's so right. I think come to the table understanding we're still humans right like I get angry not very often I usually get frustrated and disappointed and hurt before I get angry um Mm -hmm. because I'm still human so um I don't always choose what I'm supposed to choose which is why people treat people the way they do and so um I think just the call to come from behind that veil that we put up and hold other Christians accountable um I remember when um, the election happened and Trump was elected and I asked someone, we were having a conversation and they said, well, they voted because he had Christian principles. And I <laughs> said, which ones? Cause I'm trying to figure out which ones he embodies. And I said, so call it what it is. He was anti-gay and anti-abortion. So you can tell me you voted on those, but not Christian principles. So I guess I say that, say, we got to call people out when they're using Christian principles. But again, that's a hiding behind a veil to me. So that's right. Yeah. That's right. It absolutely is. So how do you, how do you maintain Dr. Shea hope when you look at cities burning mm-hmm. and when you look at what's happening and you think about the work that we do and the research that you've done, how do you, how do you maintain? Um, I remember my hopes, not in humans. I have to remind myself of that doesn't mean I don't put hope in other humans, but my hope has to lie in him. It has to um, be because he will never let me down. People will. And so I think my hope in that and my, you know, peace and and, um, foundation and I spend time with him every day to say, okay, what is it today? You know, Um, so I think, well, I know that's the only way I'm getting through. Because if I put my hope in human, I mean, <laughs> every, every, every generally speaking, <laughs> but I also know that he's provided the support for me, right? But that's still in him giving me what I need, not in the person, but he p- has put the right people around me um, to help me and for me to help them. So, um, that would be my mother in oh. the background. <laughs> I'm gonna say she's gonna call you. She's gonna call good. you. Yes. <laughs> listen, listen. At any moment, in any moment. <laughs> this is Praxis. 
no filter. So you get, you know, you don't get the pristineness of the blog. You get the That's true so podcast of my mother telling me that the groomer is here to get uh, diamond right. Yes. Her mobile shampoo unit has arrived like, so and I'm she still gets, trying to make like, it so work she at the house. To continue her sessions. Listen, it is considered an essential employee. <laughs> That's too funny. But thank you for thank y'all for somebody's trying to keep like me down, boy. Listen, he don't he don't want us to talk about him. He don't want us. I was like, I, I had a call come in, but I thought, okay, I just won't answer it, and it'll keep recording. Nope. Listen, that's all right. We, as my mother said, one monkey don't stop no show, and it take a good one to slow it down. <laughs> I was like, you're gonna get to learn your editing skills. That's right. I'm gonna, uh, you gonna learn today. In the words of Kevin Hart. So I identify as a dangerously privileged curator of faith. Dr. Shay, how do you curate your faith? So. I don't know if I even know. I don't know like how to put that into words. Um, all I think is I do it by action, right? So I think it's just taking time to seek first mm. and then spill it out. Just, I don't know if that even makes sense, but like seek to soak it in and then spill it out. So, um, so I don't know. That's like a hard one for me to think about how to put that into words how to yeah I was like how did I imagine it's because you're already doing how did you come to that like how did you come to that's how you could put it in words it took a while for me to put that together but I focused on the part about dangerously privileged that we can use that to our advantage or to someone else's disadvantage and then thinking about curating faith that always Uh being tested and tried and tempted to use it in the way that I believe God yeah, would have us because when, when I'm like, I don't, I don't even know how you, and maybe that's why, like you said, maybe it's because it take it will take time to like actually think about it, right? Like, but I do know that a lot of my daily yeah. life is just I want to take it in, I want to take him in, I want to take all of it in, so then I can spill it out and however that looks, right? However it's best going to be used, um, doesn't mean it's easy, just it's been probably what I've done. So I'm gonna have to think on that one. I wasn't supposed to get no homework from this now. Well, I love it. <laughs> listen, we always, you listen now. Uh, mm-hmm. Listening audience, make no mistake. I know, she but gives you me know, homework as, as my say, sometimes it's one sided kind of relationship. <laughs> right, right. I see you. I see you. <laughs> I have loved you sharing the tensions and opportunities between diversity and equity and inclusion in our faith any final um, words you wish so to I share think it probably just goes back to something I've probably mentioned which is um seek him right like it, it may not be what is trending it may not be what's popular it may not be what's mm. easy and you may hate it or you may dislike it depending on who you are um but it, it just reminds mm-hmm. me of the thorn right remove this and and so so I'm like so I don't Come know maybe now. that's what I would share is 
sometimes it feels like a burden to me. And then I remember, right? Like it's not about me. And so I think if I can say anything is find your body part, you know, we're all part of the body and whatever your body part is like, you know, some parts of our body take beatings more than others gets used more than others. And so if that's your role and that's what God's called you to do, he going to give you what you need. Um, but to be able to withstand it. So maybe that's what I would say. I, I, let and the church say again, amen say. <laughs> and amen again <laughs> oh my gosh um i am deeply appreciative of you taking this time and sharing your faith and sharing your expertise and i thank you even more for doing it at a time when people are really hurting and if there is anything that i think the both of us can offer is we have a place mm-hmm. where we can find shelter and affirmation and solace for yes. the cares of the world. And so if we said amen, but if we were to close <laughs> that sermon, this would be the time like, okay. that we would open I do want to say this church. for our listeners, that I think this is a great testament to how God works, because I didn't share with you that I almost didn't send you what I sent you and shared with you with the interview I did. Because I said, well, is it right? Like, it's about me. And even though it wasn't about church and I wasn't trying to push it on. And I was like, that's how it works, though. Right. That. And then when I said, nope, I'm going to do it. It opened up Mm. us to have this conversation. Right. And sometimes I just think so many times in my life, I said, no, I don't want to because I don't want anyone to think I'm pushing something. And I was like, no, like people who know me know I don't push any agenda. Other, other than social justice, but I mean, like, I don't None. push my own. And so I, I wanted to share with you because I didn't share that part with you. I, I didn't send it originally because I kept going back and forth to should I send it. So for our listeners, um, and I want you to tell folk how they can view this. Dr. Shea shared with me an interview she did within her faith community about the tensions of faith and diversity work and white supremacy and what happens for me in terms of the the writing and and the blog and then the podcast throughout any given week or any time I'm constantly um, aware of things happening around me and sometimes it'll be a word or it'll be a picture and I just jot it down in my phone and somewhere between Friday and Sunday night or sometimes early Monday morning I asked God to download Uh what it is that he would have for me to say. And there, then the blog happens. Well, since we've been sheltering in place, I toyed with the idea of doing a podcast. So this is our eighth episode, but somewhere between the writing and Thursday or Friday, I asked God to just show me who it is that Uh I can connect Uh with to unfold the blog. And so Dr. Shea and I talk often in terms of our work and and connecting about how we do this work and how we're doing with with each other and individually for doing the work. And she shared with me this video that she recorded. And so the hand of God (laughs) is always moving. I am just completely floored at how he ensures that his work gets done in the earth. When we are willing, like you said, to step yep. out of 
our own comfort zones, not the ones that he has designed or normalized for yes. us, but the ones so, that we built for but ourselves. Yes, so thank you. So I just wanted, I wanted them to understand like that his work was even in this conversation, not that they wouldn't, but um, so yeah. Amen. Yes. Will you share the name okay, of your church video. and and I'll put the link yes. on on our website. But if you yes. can so share it's that, Living Word Family Church in Wake Forest, North Carolina, um, and Senior Pastor Micah and Melissa Corona. Um, so yes, if you want to share the video, um, and also just understand how important it is to have these conversations in your faith community. Yeah. Amen. Well, everyone, we thank yeah, you thanks, so Dr. much, Stephanie. Dr. Shea, for joining us. It has been a true blessing. I will. I don't <laughs> well, know I won't be seeing you on campus. On campus. I can't yes, say that, there but we go. <laughs> I see you on a I'll Zoom. I'll see you in Zoom. <laughs> Real soon. And everybody, continue to be well and find what you can do in your sphere of influence to make the change yes, that you. needs to happen in this world. We don't need another person to die. Thank you so much, Dr. Stephanie. You too. Take care. All right. Be blessed, everyone.